Hello everyone and welcome back. It's the full 40. It's Chris and Rob brought to you by Nova Insider. And ladies and gentlemen, we are excited. Championship edition. That's Let's right. Let's go. Big LFG. Time. Big it's time. March, baby. This is it. Get, it. get on board. Get on board. Last week, we celebrated the Big East regular season championship. Today, we celebrate the Big East tournament championship down year hashtag down year hashtag down year and we will also celebrate our seating in the ncaa tournament which is now guaranteed although it was already definitely gonna happen (laughs) yeah we were probably gonna make it yeah so we are ticket punched ready to go just as a heads up we are recording this it is 5 p.m eastern time we're in new york city in my midtown manhattan apartment recording we're going to talk in the first half of this podcast about Big East Tournament takeaways, maybe a little bit about prospects going into next week, but we're going to save a lot of the NCAA type stuff to the second half of the podcast, so we're actually doing it in two tranches here, Yep. recording the first half now, then the second half will come to you after the selection show is finished, where we'll give all of our thoughts on Villanova seating. Are we a four? Are we a five? Are we a six? Where are we? Path to the title, baby. Path to the title. When will we play Duke is the real question. Yes. There's a lot of people out there thinking that a Duke Villanova or a Virginia Villanova or even a UNC Villanova matchup is a foregone conclusion. People are saying. If we make it to the Sweet 16. So... A lot to talk about. We're going to see what happens, but we don't know right now, so we're flying blind in the first half of the podcast, intentionally so, so we can talk Big East and focus on the week that was a historic accomplishment, three Big East tournament championships in a row. Pretty good. All at MSG. We're 9-0 and since losing to Seton Hall in the 2016 final. We are 9-0 and in MSG in the Big East tournament. That's pretty impressive. It is really impressive. And for a tournament that we talked about last week, we thought was going to be total chaos, ended up not to be chaotic at all. Chalky. Total chalk. That said, it was a blast to be there. Yes, absolutely. So what were your your big takeaways from the tournament? Aside from our team is fucking awesome and let's go, baby. Yeah. So, like... Broad strokes takeaways, forgetting just away from Villanova, I think you can't talk about this Big East tournament without talking about the refs. Ooh. And unfortunately, you never want any game to be about the refs, Mm. let alone a tournament. Yeah. But the refs just were really bad. Luckily, not too much in our game. You're talking more about the Seton Hall-Marquette game in particular. Yeah, yeah, yes. I thought that the refs were left a lot to be desired in every game, but I think that... Had the Seton Hall-Marquette game not happened, I think that wouldn't have been a story. Fair. But that game took it and put the bright lights on it. Yeah. <coughs> now, agree, the, the refs were definitely part of this. For me, I want my takeaways to focus on the boys. And this one was for Phil and Eric. That's right. I got to say, I was, you know, we downplayed a lot because we've obviously been super spoiled the past couple of years just winning natty titles because that's what we do. <laughs> but... 
apparently. The, apparently. The elation on Phil's face yeah. after, well, after he traveled at the end of the Seton Hall game was unreal. Yes. Like, he was so pumped up. You could tell he and Eric absolutely wanted this one. And it's probably a bit of like, hey, look, we know it's going to take a miracle for us to make a Final Four run this year. And they absolutely wanted this game. They got it. I was really yeah. happy for them. If you saw their Instagram, it was freaking hilarious in the the locker room after the game. A little Miley Cyrus going there. It was yeah. Oh, it was that terrific. was awesome. So so yeah. like yeah, kudos to these guys. They brought it home. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. So I think to me, even I felt I I kind of felt the same way. I felt that this tournament championship, this Big East tournament championship, was the sweetest of them all. And and frankly, I can't even think of like a a close second. Well, yeah, comparing it to, like, the past three, you mean, right? Comparing to the past three, yeah, 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 exactly right, right. Yeah, we've, we've, we've won quite a few yeah. of late. The Xavier one back in 15 was big because we hadn't won one in actually, like, 20 years. True, true, yeah. Albeit a different tournament. Yeah. But that game was dead. It was really dead. Who did we even play that one? We, no, we played Xavier. Oh, it was Xavier. Yeah, yeah, they were the sixth seed, and they made it out of the bottom half of the bracket. Yeah, yeah. And then 17 versus Creighton was dead. Uh, well, seventeen was kind of like, eh, we just won the Natty and on to bigger and better things. So yeah, let's right. go. Yeah, and then eighteen was Providence in that overtime game, and that one felt awesome. And I think that one's probably the one that most resembled it because it did go into overtime. Yeah, high stress environment. Ed Cooley rips his pants. Oh yes, you got about you got that. Chiron Cartwright. You hashtag got, Chiron. Hashtag Chiron. You got. All of a sudden, in overtime, putting it all together, basically blew him out in the overtime period. Um, And then that really secured the one seed in the East, and then the rest was history. That being said, to your point, it felt like, look, if this team makes the Sweet 16, it's a tremendous accomplishment. Yeah. Right? But to be able to hold up a trophy, it felt like this might be the last time we hold up a trophy. This year. This year. Yeah. Right. And so... You felt like everything was into this game, this tournament championship, that the guys had something really to prove, that I feel like there was a little bit... We said on the last podcast that we kind of backed into the Big East mm. regular season yeah, championship. Yeah. And although we, we went out and got it, right, because we won games... We, after the three-game losing streak, we kind of righted the ship, albeit the last game lost to Seton Hall. But we felt like by win, beating Marquette and then by taking down Butler... To kind of right the ship a little bit in the back of the season that we got, we did enough. The, the tournament championship was kind of like our stamp. Like this is still our. Oh conference. yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. No, that's it's really true. And uh, yeah, another thing that that I, I loved seeing, and I, I worry like maybe it's a little too little too late, but. The last two games in particular, not as much the Providence game, you started to see the balanced scoring yes. from our guys. Four guys in double figures each game. Yeah. And especially yesterday against Seton Hall, everybody was chipping and, in. And frankly, Providence wasn't crazy either. It wasn't like we didn't get chip-ins from other people on the Providence yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, I, And we said this last week where we said that even in the Seton Hall loss, it was an encouraging sign that we had multiple guys in double right. figures. We did yeah, say we that. said yeah. that. That's something that's been a little bit of a new feature of this team since the losing streak. Yeah. And I feel like it's something that is important not only for this year and for this team's NCAA tournament prospects, which are obviously the biggest and most important and urgent thing right now. Yeah. But in a go forward basis, I feel like 
it's kind of alleviated some of the pressure and given the fan base a lot to look forward to in a go-forward basis. Yeah. Like, we got asked a question. So we posted on Instagram and on Twitter if you, if you had, anyone had any questions. And we got a handful, some of which we'll tackle. We got, no, we got hundreds of questions, yeah. I think. And we're, we're selectively picking a couple to answers That's is right. what you meant to say. Yeah, yes, correct. Yes, of correct. course, of course. Um, but some of them are, some of them we'll tackle in the second half. Because yeah. they, they were, like, a lot of them had to do with the NCAA tournament. There's a couple, though, that we can take on right now. Yeah. One of which was... What's our who's our favorite sophomore? Yeah, and I think that really, I think it's been different answers every game, every, like throughout the uh, yeah, season. I think, I think right. if you asked us in the very beginning of the season, I think we would have told you Demir Cosby round. Yes, he had such a strong start. He had a strong start. He also was like the freshman who I felt like really needed to step up to step in because we were losing our interior presence, yeah. and he was going to bring that. And he had a fine season. Yeah. He had a fine season. A couple missed dunks that were uncharacteristic. In Just the as of late, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like realistically, like he's been he's been fine. I don't think he's taken that big step up that I think we were hoping for. I think that's a lot ma- a matter of the offense. Yeah, but that was been what answered. Then I think there was a long stretch where you would say Colin Gillespie. Yeah. Because he was just crushing. Then yeah. we then we jinxed him. Yeah. Then we jinxed him. <laughs> and he seems to have survived the jinx. He wore off the jinx. Yeah. Yeah. So so now I think the answer you call him Windex. I call him German Samuels. Yes. Because he's playing like a man right yeah. now. Yeah. So we are, we acknowledge just like we know that there are some family members. We've learned this of late that there are some family members out there who listen to the podcast of the team. We appreciate you listening. Love all the guys. But we got we got to ask to pick one, and so we're picking one right now. It's Jermaine Samuels. And I think, given Jermaine's nickname, I also want to take this moment to give him the Shaq fit man play of the tournament, which is a little bit different than our usual yeah. man plays of the week. We had to we actually had to talk about this one up front yeah. because there was a lot in there. Pascal had a big throwdown dunk yep, yep. against Xavier. Uh, Pascal had a tip in against Xavier. I mean, Phil Booth. Hit some monster threes. Like there was a lot. And Phil Booth actually had like a putback yeah. off his own miss, yeah, yeah. which was amongst trees, which was incredible. Amongst trees, nice. But but Jermaine actually got it for us, and the reason why was in the Xavier game. He started one for seven from behind the arc. Yeah, and T- terrible. And, and and I think we we bring in context to this. Context is that there was a period of time where Jermaine wasn't even shooting the three because he was afraid to shoot the ball. Yeah. And, or was told not to shoot, yeah. whatever it may be. He was not shooting. And you yet. could even see the wheels turning within the game itself that he had one game, one play where he, after he kind of still struggled to shoot the ball, where he didn't, where he ate the shot. He didn't take it. Yeah. And I feel like he said to himself, no, no, no. I got to step up. My teammates need me to shoot that shot. And what did he do? Knock down the next the three. The next three. And they were and enormous. Huge. And like that to me was, I was, I saw, I was watching the game, I was at the game. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, he is one for seven. This could go a route of borderline ending his offensive presence for the season. Because he could have easily gone a route of being like, hey, look, I'm one for seven. I'm, I'm going to pass out. You know right. what? It's, it's not my day. And, and you know what? It's time for the next season. But no. He said, I'm going to fucking put the team on my back right now. And to be honest, like I'm sure his teammates pulled him aside and were like, dude, just keep shooting. Yes. And he kept shooting. Finished four for ten. That's forty percent. That's a great clip for a game, right? Yes. And they were monster shots. And they were all clutch. Yeah. And then he carried it into 
the next game against Seton Hall, I think he was two for five, so again, shooting 40%, and was attacking the hoop. Yes. He's playing with a ton of confidence. Jermaine, Jermaine, if you're listening, keep it up, baby. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Shaq no. Fit, man play of the week. We actually did tweet at him, and he liked the tweet. Yes, yes. We, we commented that Jermaine has earned his confidence, whereas a lot of players just have it. Yeah. Jermaine... Started from a weaker position, kind of a Dwayne Anderson. We talked about yeah, that yeah. development, although he's much quicker development than Dwayne. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure having Dwayne on the bench helps him. That's probably true, actually. Yeah. yeah. Good for a week. Um, and so we've tracked his development, and this kid has earned the confidence that he has gotten and is delivering on that promise. Absolutely. And I have a ton of respect for that. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about the Shaq Fit Man play of the week. We also got to talk about the Arf Arf, Arf, Arf Alpha baby. Dog of the Week, and it's Phil Booth. It has to be Phil Booth. Yeah. Yes. Although Phil I Booth. did want to give it to Chiron Cartwright. <laughs> Chiron was there. Chiron he was, was there. Interviews. Yeah, I saw that. He was there. He was sitting with Daryl Reynolds. Yeah. D-Ray, the director. It was hilarious. But yeah. anyway, yeah, it's got to be Phil Booth. It's got to be Phil Booth. And look, Phil has sometimes, I feel like, unfairly draw the ire of fan base because there is some hero ball moments. Yeah. But sometimes I think Phil has taken the time and said, someone's got to step up, and I guess that's going to be me. You know, people forget that he did score 20 <laughs> points in the national title game. <laughs> that was great. I can't believe Gus Johnson said <laughs> he did. that. He said it over the last yeah. yeah. So he was. they were giving out the award for most outstanding player at, at, at MSG, and he literally said that. He's like, people forget that, that you scored 20 points. They're like, dude. Nobody forgets. No, like, come no. on, dude. Like, oh, what a, it's, I can't believe that line has continued for it's like so three funny. years. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, it's it, hats off to Phil. He played with that killer instinct yes. this tournament yeah. and just did whatever had to be done. And for the most part, there were like a couple exceptions, for the most part, played smart. Yes. And took good shots. Because I know we knocked him several games ago, I think when he was going through that cold streak where he was absolutely playing the hero ball and the stuff was not falling. They were not great shots. He played smart, and he absolutely deserves this one. This was the week that I feel like we got the payoff from the week off between the Butler and Seton mm, Hall games, mm. and then the extended break between the Seton Hall game and the first game of the Big East tournament. Okay, I feel like we got the payoff of that. Our guys played three games in a row, including an overtime game midway through, Yeah, and they were all pretty hotly contested games. Yeah. We got jumped by Providence in the very early going of that game. But came back pretty nicely. Yeah. The legs were there the entire tournament. It's true. Yeah. No, I no. never sensed fatigue on any of our guys. Yeah. Not and at all. so I really do believe that that week off that we got lucky schedule break, I don't know, maybe a little bit intentional. I don't know. But I feel like that we got such a benefit from having that week off. And I feel like now we're getting the, the payoff. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. Um, so Phil Booth was everything that we could have asked for. And I felt like there was like a little bit of like a redemption or an, or an, aveng- yeah. an, an avenging of sorts. Yeah. Um, stealing. I'm a big Marvel fan. Yeah, I think yeah. I made that clear. But like stealing from that a little bit. In that, I feel like Phil, although him and Eric made first team all Big East, I feel like Phil felt like he had enough in him to be the Big East player of the year. Mm. And I, it was clear. It was obvious. It should have been Howard or, or Powell would have been someone else who could have gotten it. I, those guys were, like, all world this year. Phil was right there, unanimous selection to the all-first team. 
I feel like there was like a little bit of that too. Yeah. Not that our guys that. are driven by individual awards, but yeah. I think it was sweet. Yeah. For him to be like, I got my stamp on this. Yeah. This it's is like cool. like I was the tournament's most outstanding player. Yeah. And now he is the full forties. Arf arf. Alpha Dog Player of the Week, which is of course the one he really wanted to. Be I, sure he I'm got. sure he did DM us, and he's like, "Yo, guys, I better get this award after yesterday's performance." And we're like, "Yeah, Phil, I don't know. It's it's gonna be tough. We might give it to Eric, but you know what? You won it, Phil. Yeah. So kudos to you." Um, so I guess one other thing, one other quick takeaway from this was also the return of Cole Swider. Yes, I do because we on the last podcast we made the point we're like we're not gonna see him because Jay didn't play him. Yeah. And, and we were wrong. We were wrong. <laughs> happy to yeah. be wrong. Yeah. Happy to be wrong. Also happy to be right that he should have gotten the minutes. Yeah. Going no. back to Seton Hall game. He looked and he looked good, I would say. Net net definitely missed some stuff on defense. It's yes. gonna happen as he's easing back. But he looked broadly comfortable within the offense, was absolutely ready to shoot and wanted to be part of that team. So yeah. really excited to see him back. Super active on the glass. And yeah, it was. I, I thought. I thought he was a rebel, especially in the Providence game. I actually felt like he was the X factor. I think he like mm. turned that game a little bit when mm, he came in. Look, Cremo has been really bit uh, really struggle. Yeah, like uh, for for so as many we, as we've talked. Yeah, about, yeah, for so many reasons. I don't want to harp on it more than I have to. Jay at some point in time decided, you know what? I'm done with Joe. I'm putting in Cole, yep. and we're gonna try this out. Uh, like th- this, this is kind of done. Yeah. And like I think he acknowledges that he's got to play Joe a little bit to give because he's a guard and will give some guys some breathers. But Cole Swider was the revelation of that Providence game. I feel like him coming in in place of Joe, he hit a shot, grabbed a couple big rebounds, did, and I yeah. feel like he kind of turned the momentum of that game. I really do feel like that. Revelation might be a little bit strong, but he was a nice surprise. Breath of fresh air. Breath of fresh air. How about that? I'm good with that. Yeah, that works. That works. Yeah. All right, cool. So yeah, Cole, welcome back. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. What do, you, what do you want to talk big picture for the Big East tournament? Yeah, big picture. I mean, we talked about the refs before. That game was crazy. I mean, I got to say something. I, I was reading on Twitter after the Marquette game, the Marquette-Seton Hall game with the controversial, the mix-up and the ejections, etc. Oh, which, God, yeah. By the way, being there live was awesome. Yes, absolutely. That was terrific. That was a semifinal Friday for the ages. Yes. But I really didn't understand what was coming out of the Marquette locker room after that game where they felt like they got jobbed Mm. by the referees. Yeah, that seemed kind of nuts. That was crazy. Okay, I acknowledge that in the dust-up that they probably got like like the little bit of a hair of the short end of the stick there. But they then got every single call down the stretch. Literally touch fouls that were called sending Marcus Howard to the line. And Marcus Howard missed six shots. Yeah. I think he took, what was it, 24 free throws or yeah, something like something that? something crazy like Unreal. that. Unreal. The tech that they got called on on, on Willard was oh ridiculous. The tech that got called on, what was it, McKnight, who touched him and ran away, and it was definitely a foul, but he ran away with his head hand on his head, and they called gave him a tech for that? Bullshit. If anything, I think Seton Hall overcame the referees yeah. in that semifinal game. And we were, so we were definitely there on Friday. And at that point, especially, we're absolutely in the Seton Hall camp. Because yes. it just felt like the refs were out to get them. And man, the crowd was super pro Seton Hall. They were going nuts. The yeah. atmosphere was awesome. We were going nuts. We were going nuts, yeah. It was late, but like we had a great time. Which then I think actually bled into we didn't touch on this earlier the atmosphere yesterday 
for the game was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. The place was packed. Not as vitriolic as I actually thought it... Now, it might have been something... like a vocab word of the day that you looked up? Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> yeah. is the word. I wrote it down, crossing off the yeah, list. Yeah, nice. Um, no, there wasn't as much vitriol as there was, I remember, three years ago for the, the championship in 16. Some of that, I feel like, is... I think there's a variety of factors. A, part of it is where, where we were seated. We got very fortunate... Our friend of the pod, Diana, um, was able to secure us some ticks that were real close to the court. The reality is, the closer you get, the more expensive the tickets are. We get a little bit of a higher brow. That's true. We were the low brow people. We were like the low rent cousins in that (laughs) in that section. Yeah, they were they were great seats. But but it was so there was a little bit of that. But I honestly felt like it almost got to a point where there's almost like a respect factor. Mm. I think that Seton Hall has overcome a little bit of their little brotherness between oh, yeah. between the 16 Big East Tournament Championship and the win last week. Yeah. I feel like everyone felt like, okay, this is for all the marbles, but like we've been at this before. Right. And it's almost like a, an appreciation of sorts yeah. for the fact that like it always seems like the Big East Tournament is Villanova, Providence, and Seton Hall. Yeah. And, and I think at one point you made, or when we were talking before the pod was that I, I made the point that I didn't think it was quite as loud of an environment as I thought it was going to be, yes. having been there before. And you made the point, which I thought was a good one, that the game, while it was tight, didn't have a lot of momentum swings. Like, it was always kind of within a possession or, like, a couple possessions. Yeah. So there wasn't, like, a ton of big momentum swings that would really get the crowd into it, like there yeah. was in the semifinal, where there was that big comeback that Seton Hall made, and people were just like, yeah, yeah we're yeah. doing this. So yeah. that, I think, definitely played That's into definitely it. That's definitely true. It almost felt like the atmosphere felt a little bit like watching, now obviously not the same stakes, um, but almost like watching the pit game from the Elite Eight in 2009, where the te- where the game never got that far apart. Mm. And so you're like, everyone's on pins and needles the entire time. Yeah. And you never feel that like rush of momentum to feel like, okay, this is time. I'm, right. I'm dropping a big let's go Nova. Yeah, time, like, nothing right safe. Now. Nothing safe. Yeah, ever. nothing safe. Yeah, because like, you're up three points and like, pfft, whatever, that's gone. Yeah, yeah. The we got up to nine, but it, it, with Powell, nothing ever feels that like dude safe. is a killer. Yeah, I love Miles Powell. He I is love Miles Powell. Damn, it's unreal. Oh, also speaking of guys who got Shaq fit, Miles Powell. Yeah, Holy in high shit. school he was a little chub chub. Yeah, and man, he looks cut, and he is an absolute killer. He's gonna be really if he. I assume he'll come back next year. I would think. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. He'll probably test the waters. Yeah, but I yeah, he'll test the it's going to be crazy if he's back. That team as a whole is like the thing with Powell is his size. He's like you see him on the court. He's actually a true like he seems like a five eleven. Yeah, yeah. But he's like he's got some girth to him, like some strength. He's, yes, he does not get pushed around. No question. I I, I like Seton Hall. Um, we were talking about this with friend of the pod Sandra Rocco, and I thought Sandra actually had a good point. He said. He said, I like Seton Hall to go a little bit into this tournament, provided their location in round one and two is, like, somewhat close to home. Mm. But if they're in, like, Salt Lake City, write them off. And we'll, we'll get to discuss that in the second half. We will. Talk. We will. We'll Perfect. find out. We will. Um, so, other strokes, like, the only other thing I can think of is Marquette. Just, you thought that with the way they pounded St. John's. Yeah. Oh, actually, I want to talk about that. Fire St. John's. Moment. Yeah. St. John's, you want to talk about... Absolute blow up down the stretch. St. John's, we're we're hoping makes a tournament. I thought for the longest time that they were like almost a lock. Yeah, 
if I'm a St. John's fan, I am real nervous right now. Absolutely. They yeah. have totally shit the bed. Yeah. They are on every bracketologist's list of like somewhere in between last four out or for, I'm sorry, first four out or next four out or like last four in or last four buys. They are in that realm of 16. That is the bubble. They are on the bubble and it's just a matter of I think they're going to get in day. I think they get in by the slimmest of hairs. I think they're like the last team in the field, and they get sent to Dayton. Well, the good thing is if they get sent to Dayton, they've got a great coach who will coach them through oh, to that God. next round. Yeah. So, so bad. Oh, man. He's not good. He's not, He's a good not coach. good. He's, He's not terrible. A good Wasted talent. Yeah. yeah. So they they absolutely just and, fell apart. And the way they fell apart in that Marquette game was totally folded. embarrassment. Totally. Similarly embarrassing to what Georgetown did against Seton Hall, which was, I mean— Miles Powell just destroyed Georgetown in that first half, but yeah. come on, you got to yeah. compete at least. Yeah, I mean, I give a little bit more of a pass to Georgetown because I felt like the talent and the time that they were in, like Georgetown's year that they're supposed to make it back to the tournament is next year, sure. and I think that they have a good chance of that happening. Um, so I give a little bit more of a pass. This was supposed to be the year, and all they got out of it for St. John's was a seven seed in the Big East tournament out of 10, which is terrible, and follow that up with just getting absolutely massacred in a game that they that if they won would have guaranteed their bid into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's really not the way to end your season. And didn't even put up a fight. No, not at all. And so and so go so so now going back to Marquette, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with them. I think it could be one of those things where it's like they just need the Big East to end. Maybe so. There's definitely talk of Marcus Howard being a little bit injured as well or banged up, which could factor in. I mean, he was, I think, 1 of 15 or something like that from the field against Seton Hall, which yeah. is probably his worst shooting percentage ever in a Marquette uniform, I would imagine. Uh, but, yeah, they they just need they need to refresh. Yeah, They need a couple days. And you sometimes see this. Sometimes teams get teams get hung up in conference play with teams that know how to guard them. Yeah. And they get locked up. And I think that kind of happened to Marquette down the stretch. They can become too one-dimensional when they try and funnel everything through Howard. The Housers have to play well. I think that's all we got for the first half. Yeah. So big shout-out to the guys. Again, congratulations on an exciting, super exciting Big East tournament victory. Phil and Eric... Kudos to you guys. Thank you for an amazing career in the Big East, and we'll come back, I guess, in the next half and talk about yeah. ending the career in the in the tournament. Yeah. So stay tuned. We'll be back after we know the results of the tournament. We'll be, which for you will only be a minute. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> so so we'll see you in a little bit. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, it's Chris from the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. Want to take a quick break here to acknowledge Nova Insider and just how charitable the organization is. It's one of my favorite parts of working with Nova Insider in tandem to bring you the Full 40. Uh, And we're doing a really fun thing coming to you over the next couple weeks, a bracket challenge where Nova Insider is working with Alex's Lemonade Stand. Uh, And so... If you go to the page's link directly on Alex's Lemonade Stand or go to Nova Insider on Instagram or on Twitter, uh, you can check out the links that are in the bio for Nova Insider to sign up. It's through CBS. You pay $20 on Venmo or on PayPal uh, to enter. And then obviously you submit your bracket. And then 
the prizes are great. First prize gets 70%, second prize is 20%, third is 10% of the total pool. Uh, so it's really going to be awesome. Be fun. We're going to have a little bit of fun with it here on the full 40. We're going to talk, make comments. We'll, we'll, we'll do it on Twitter. We'll do it on Instagram. It'll be a good time. So again, check it out. Go to Nova Insider. Uh, as always, let's go Nova. We're going to go back to the second half of the podcast where we're talking all about our draw in the NCAA tournament and so on. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. The second half of the podcast, the full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. So we're back. We just watched a selection show. We've had a little bit of time to digest it. Not a whole lot. It's 7.30. The selection show's only been over <laughs> for 30 minutes. We are doing it live. So we're doing it live, um, as everyone else is, and trying to figure this out as we go. I know one thing already, my number one tradition that I do every single year, doesn't matter the seed that we are in the tournament, I pick Villanova to win the entire thing. As you should. From the very beginning. We are, Vegas has us as the odds-on favorite slightly ahead of Duke this year, so you're betting with the masses at this point. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, I actually do, in my real bracket, pick Villanova to win every single time. I realize that is a stupid-ass betting strategy, but I am of the opinion that if Villanova does end up winning, I don't want to be not having Villanova win. Fair enough. You do you. Yeah. I may take a different approach this year, but that's your prerogative. <laughs> yeah. So... Okay, there's a lot to unpack here, a lot of things, a lot of questions, already seeing some re- uh, reaction on Twitter, um, and we're going to do our best in a short window of time to break it as much down as we possibly can. First things first, let's talk big overall impressions. Do you have any big ones? The uh, biggest thing to me was starting macro, St. John's made the field, yes. and the Big East got four teams yeah. in. Literally... The last team in. Yeah. We're not going to harp on St. John's too much, but hey, yeah. it's kind of an accomplishment, and I think it's kind of fitting that they're the literally the last team in. Yes. It seems appropriate for Chris Mullen. It, it is so well-deserved that they literally snuck in by the skin of their teeth. Absolutely terrible. We were talking about this before we got on the podcast, and it's like, could you imagine if you're a St. John's booster and they had missed the tournament this year? Oh, my goodness. It would have been, people would have been up in arms. I mean, people should be up in arms anyway, but anyway... So, yes, the Big East got four teams in, three of which we expected, us, Marquette, Seton Hall. And as the seeds played out, you started to get a little bit more nervous for St. John's. Oh, I was convinced that they didn't make it. And then they revealed Arizona State, St. John's, and I was like, holy shit, they got in. Yeah, it was interesting. As As I think about the brackets I was looking at before the selection show, it seemed like a lot of the Big East teams got slotted back a line relative to what I was seeing. I would seeing. say one line. One line, yeah. Yes. I was seeing, like, Villanova a four on some, which I thought was a stretch, but I think Ludarty had us as a four. You were seeing Marquette. Palm had as, us at a four. Yeah, so there were, like, some big-name guys there. You saw Seton Hall as, like, an eight or a nine, and you saw St. John's, like, in the field, so I guess they're still in the field. Yeah. But, yeah, Seton Hall ended up slotting back a line. We obviously ended up slotting back. Marquette ended up where I think a lot of people I think expected that. I think that's right, yeah, yeah. If not even perhaps a little bit higher with their recent slide. Yeah, so I think to me, just getting onto that topic, Marquette versus Villanova, there's the first thing that everyone came up with, with on Villanova Twitter, which yeah. we're big Villanova Twitter fans, right. is why is Marquette a five and why is Villanova a six? 
And it was like all this, we're getting disrespected. We won the Big East Conference regular season and the Big East Championship. We went one and one versus Marquette. What are you talking about, Marquette? Finished on fire to to finish the year. (laughs) Just crushing teams. So one thing that I will say is, while I thought we both should have been on the five line, I don't think it's that egregious. There's a couple things here. A, Villanova had was like 5-6 and six versus quad one, where Marquette was like 10-5. and five. Marquette won a lot of games earlier. And you might say, like, well, how that happened with their losing streak down the stretch. Marquette amassed a way superior resume in the out-of-conference than we did. They beat Louisville. They beat Buffalo. Like, they had some – like, we had Florida State, but Florida State was basically the only thing we had to hang our hat on. Yeah. And we also lost to Furman and Penn yep. and got blown out by Michigan – and that plays a factor. Yeah. Like, uh, people have recency bias, but the NCAA tournament committee technically doesn't. And it's and it seemed to be that they have definitely played down that recency bias in recent in in recent years. Yes. Another good example this year is Kansas, right? Yes. Kansas also Kansas got a four seed, which you look at Kansas of late, you'd be like, this team, the wheels are falling off right now. But early in the season, they picked up a ton of great wins. So similar thing with Marquette, and I think you're right. When you look at it, take the schedule in terms of literally when the games were played out of it and you just look at the wins and losses and you say, yeah, okay, Marquette yeah. should probably be a better seed. Do I think Villanova's a better team? Yes. But Marquette had the, arguably the better resume. And look, we'll get to this in detail in a couple of minutes. At the end of the day, I don't think it matters. No, that, that's exactly correct. In that the ultimate, and yeah, we'll get there. The ultimate thing, though, is that I actually kind of prefer what we got versus what Marquette Yeah, got. yeah, absolutely. Um. A couple other things real quick on the Big East that I just want to touch on. Uh, Marquette has got to play. We'll get into where where we'll play. But Marquette's got to play John Morant and Murray State, which a lot of people thought might be our first-round matchup. Right. And if you don't know, John Morant is – so he obviously plays for Murray State. Um, He's this guard they have. He is projected in pretty much every NBA mock draft as a top-five pick. Yes. Kind of a no-name guy who is now known for his highlight reel dunks. Super superior athleticism. Absolutely. But obviously plays on this random team. So then you get into a situation where if you're Marquette, look, they've got a... uh, Murray State's got a killer, right? Yes. And you don't want to be playing the Steph Curry from like 2008, whatever that was, right? right? So so that's the danger there. And then then if they win that, they got to play Florida State, which is not the same Florida State team that we played. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that Florida State team has definitely come around, and they've picked up a number of good wins, and they played really solidly throughout the ACC. Yeah. So we talked about St. John's and how they're in the first four, whatever. I don't want to talk too much about St. John's. They stink. Seton Hall finished the season on a, on a real heater, is playing ten uh, is the 10 seed, and they're playing 7-seeded Wofford, um, who was incredible this year. And yeah. they could shoot the shit out of the three ball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Wofford's good. What's more interesting, though, is if Seton Hall wins, they get a potential rematch with Kentucky. Yeah. They already beat once this year. Yeah. I think, yes, I agree with that. Though I think that the other way to put, push that is to say Kentucky's coming is much better team than they were, and it's a revenge game. For sure. Yeah. So I think both teams, if they can, if, if they can get past their respective first round games, have a different angle that they'll be playing each way. Yeah. Either way, interesting draw. I think Hall will get a win. Wofford's really so. good, but I don't think that they've played anyone like Miles Powell. They don't have the killer. They yeah. don't have the killer like Miles Powell. Yeah. Okay. So that's highlight like you know high level things that you know 
that we want to talk about with the Big East and, and that tip type of draw. I didn't think there was anything crazy on the bubble no, or anything really. on the one seed. Something really bothered me. Maybe on a year where we were a one seed, I would have paid more attention sure. to it and yeah, had a better yeah. sense of it. Uh, but I didn't find anything to be that crazy. Yeah. I thought it was a good job. You don't get too pissed off when you're like, oh, I thought I'd be a five and I'm a six. Like, All right. One thing that they didn't do that they usually do is matchup hunt. Mm. And I feel like the committee has a reputation of like – Trying to do that, like, a couple years ago, they put, like, Ken- like Kentucky and Indiana against one another. Yeah. Clearly just trying to get a matchup. Yep. I didn't see a ton of matchup hunting. I didn't either, and I think we talked about this in the last podcast, that we were kind of hoping for an us versus Kansas matchup. Right. Which still would have been fun and still would have loved to see it. Obviously, that's not going to happen now. Instead, we get Purdue, Womp Womp, which we'll get to in a minute. Right. But, yeah, that's the one I was looking for and, and fingers crossed, was hoping to get, but didn't happen. So we are a – we're playing on Thursday. As of the recording of this podcast, we don't know what time on Thursday will be. What we do know is this. The Hartford – Hartford has obviously two sets of games. They're, they have two pods, right? Marquette's in the other pod in Hartford. So you'll see some Marquette fans, hopefully, in Hartford, Connecticut – if you decide to go to the game. Um, we don't know which teams are going to get the afternoon session and the evening session. So we don't know at this point. Maybe by the time we're done recording, yeah. we'll know. We're hoping we get the morning, the early session. Yes, now. yes. So take on that is that I really do like getting the early session on Thursday. I'm glad we're playing Thursday to begin with because I like knowing our result going into the rest of the round of 64, which is the rest, the, the round of 64 is just euphoric, yeah. right, for so many reasons. Yeah, then it's stress level off, you just get to sit back, you win, terrific, you lose, you can stew over it, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, right, and more time you get to get, to get over it. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, so we're in Hartford, which I think was a big win. Yeah. I think that we got fortunate there, we're going to have a home crowd there. For sure. Um, and our first round opponent is... The St. Mary's Gales. Yeah. And if that sounds familiar to you, we played them in the second round in 2010 and lost. Yeah. In what was a controversial finish to a year that was supposed to be very, very good and the wheels fell off late. Ugh. Scotty Um, Reynolds' senior year. Unfortunate. And we thought a couple years, a couple weeks ago, that maybe this season is going that direction and it definitely did not. This team held on, held together, got stronger, got better. Um, so this is a different type of matchup than this ten, the 10 seed that we got as a two seed in um, the round of 32 nine years ago, which I can't believe it's nine years. I know. We are old as shit. Yes, we so... are definitely old as shit. <laughs> so I think, look, one of the main points I want to make here is that we don't know when Phil and Eric's last game is going to be. This is not like years past where we have an excellent team going in, where you have national championship expectations, and even though some of those got cut way shorter, right, like you were expected to be favored in every single game that you played. As a six seed this year, or even if we were a five seed, after game one, that's it. You never know. You never know. Yeah. So do we expect to win the first game? Yes. Yes, and we'll tell you why. But you just don't know as a six seed, every game is going to be a toss-up. Yeah, for sure. And so maybe we spend a quick minute on who St. Mary's is for some of our, our listeners out there. So St. Mary's is from California, 
They play in the WCC. They basically play Gonzaga every year. It's like their big draw. Yep. So I thought you were going to go a different way when you are talking about the time earlier. I'm looking for an early game so they can fly out to the East Coast and basically be playing a game at 9 a.m. local their time. Yes. And I'm super hoping they're still groggy and the coffee hasn't kicked in and we can just absolutely decimate them. But, uh, yeah, St. Mary's is, they are the Gales. And so the Gales, for all of you... Um, for all of you people interested in mascot backgrounds, name backgrounds, according to Wikipedia, the Gaels are an ethno-linguistic group which spread from Ireland to Scotland and the Isle of Man. They are languages of the Gaelic family, a division of insular Celtic languages. Anyway, that's all the detail we're going to get into about that. This is already <laughs> over my head. At least it is St. Patrick's Day, so it seems a little bit appropriate, I guess. Anyway, so they're from California. Long flight out. They've got some good history in the NCAA tournament. Like Chris said, they did beat us back in 2010. Hopefully that won't be the case this year. Yeah. And so, let's see. So, look, we have bad history with them, as we said. But that team in St. Mary's was a much different team than the one that we're getting now. That yeah. team had Della Vadova, Omar Sanham, who killed us that entire game. This team is a lot different. This team is in because they beat Gonzaga, which is a tremendous accomplishment. But they beat Gonzaga in the WCC final. Otherwise, right. this team would not make the tournament. Correct. This was a team that was like on the bubble. But when we talk about bubble, we mean like literally the bottom of the bubble. Like not ever really getting a real chance. This The win against Gonzaga is basically their only good win. Yes. And they've got a lot of bad losses out yes. there too. Yes. So, so here's a couple things you need to know about them. They got a little bit of a scout as fast as we could pull one together. They play a very slow tempo, not unlike us. They're ranked 31 on Kenpom. So not a bad ranking, only about five spots worse than us on Kenpom. But I don't think that tells the whole story. In the WCC, they play extremely weak opponents. And in Kenpom, you could increase your Kenpom score by blowing a team to smithereens, yeah. even if they're bad. Um, and we played a lot of teams this year that just because of their positioning on the bubble and the testing that we got like really kind of held our margins of victory down, which is a big reason why our Ken Palm ranking is 26. Yeah. And it's a big reason why their Ken Palm ranking is 31. They shoot threes well. They have a few guys who are over 40% um, from deep, but they actually don't lean on that strategy quite a bit, at least not in WCC play. So that's something that's interesting is against us, do they take a higher percentage of threes than normal? A couple names that you need to know, Jordan Ford and Malik Fitz are two of the guys who do a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah, and just to clarify, one of them actually does heavy lifting, the other one does not. Malik Fitz is a man. Yeah. He's six foot eight. he's 230, he definitely hits the gym. Jordan Ford is 6'1", 175, needs to hit the gym. The kid is skinny. Gotcha. He's got nothing. When I say heavy lifting, I mean, like... Ball, ball dominant. Indeed, indeed. And yeah, Ford is definitely the leader there. 21 points a game. Fitz has 15 points a game. But those are the two guys they run their offense through. And they do have a big guy, Jordan Hunter, who's Australian. They, they do get a lot of their team. Um, this is well documented. They get a lot of their team from Australia and other countries. They are big in farming international players. Uh, Della Vadova is an example of an Australian kid yeah. um, from back in the day. And they've been at this for years. Uh, so that's kind of their, their strategy. Their recruiting strategy is a way of 
trying to keep up in that conference with the Zacks. For sure. So they're twenty two and eleven. This team is this team is beat up on a lot of crappy teams. They've no they've never faced a guy like Eric Pascal. And I know you might be saying like, well, Rui Hachimura on Gonzaga is a matchup problem. No question about that. Rui Hachimura is an athletic freak. No question. I just don't think they faced a guy like Eric Pascal. Um, in just the way the physicality and the demeanor and the ability to score at all three levels like Pascal can. Yeah. And I think that this game is going to come down to Eric Pascal taking control of this game. Even if it's not in the scoring, I think it will happen via scoring. But even if it's not via scoring, he's just going to be such a factor that they're going to have to overload on him. And it's going to open up our other guys. I'm thinking like Bay and and Samuels and obviously Booth. I, I I just see this game. We're gonna win this game. What's your uh, What's your final score prediction? I think we're gonna win by ten and eleven. I really nice. do. Yeah. No. That's I think awesome. I think they play slow tempo, and I just don't think like they are efficient. But I, I think that we'll just end up being that much more efficient. They're gonna. I think they're gonna. If anything, try and go down low more than more than we do. Um, but I think that we're going to have a good game, and I think that it's going to end up like, I don't know, 75-65. Okay. All right. I'm going to go 71-66, a little bit closer. A little you. bit closer. But I think we pull it out. Yeah. And so I think, do you think I it's think... going to be close throughout, or do you think it's going to be bigger throughout, and then they're going to tighten it up a little bit? You know, I think we're going to be comfortably in that, like, eight to nine point lead for most of the second half. I think we'll have a slow start like we always seem to do. I think we'll widen it up to eight or nine and they'll tighten it up and it'll get a little bit tight at the end, but I think we end up with that that five, six point win, something like that. Okay. But I'm not I'm not scared of St. Mary's at this point. When when your leading score is six one, one seventy five, heck, we can have Colin cover him. We can have pretty much anybody cover him. Doesn't scare me at all. Okay. You heard it here first. We think that we're going to beat St. Mary's. So, good for us. Woo! Yeah. All right. So then the other piece of our pod is the three-seed Purdue Boilermakers and the 14-seed Old Dominion Monarchs. Monarchs. (laughs) I like like the other one you said. Monarchs. No, Monarchs. I think that's their name. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. And we're not going to talk about Old Dominion because Purdue's going to win. Yeah, we think Purdue is going to win. What do you need to know about Purdue? Should we advance past St. Mary's, which we've already said we think we will? All I need to know is Carson Edwards. Yeah, Carson Edwards is that team's beginning and end. He's their alpha and their omega. <laughs> he is their alpha dog. Arf, arf. Yeah, correct. Carson Edwards is a top 10 national player. He is real deal good. Yeah. Um, 23 points a game. Yeah. And after him, it drops down to, like, their next leading scorer is, like, 12 points a game. And their next leading scorer is a guy named Ryan Klein, who looked like they just picked up off the street. <laughs> he was, like, an Acme, and they're like, oh, hey, do you want to come play? He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll shoot some oops. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, in all seriousness, everything runs through Carson Edwards. Yeah. If you stop Carson Edwards, you will win this game. I think we have a guy who can stop a major player. Hmm, who might that be? Is that... Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Sadiq Bay. Absolutely. If this, if we make it past the first game, and assuming we play Purdue, this is a Sadiq Bay game. Yeah. You put Sadiq Bay, similar to how we do with Miles Powell, you put Sadiq Bay on Carson Edwards, it's lights out. Boom. Boom. That's it. That, yeah. Like, that's the game. That is 100% yeah. how this shakes out. They also play slow tempo. Interesting. So, interestingly, I, we went back, I did a little bit of research on this. Our games that we've lost of late have generally been, with the exception of uh, Xavier, um, have been to teams that play at a much more up-tempo, not like super fast, St. Yeah. John's plays super fast, but 
more up-tempo teams um, that we have struggled with in our rocky stretch of late. I'm not including the – we're a different team than we were in November and December. I'm not including that. Um, so the game being slowed down actually works to our advantage. Now, you have to take away Carson Edwards to the best of your ability. The other guy who can hurt us just because we have nobody who can match up with him on this team is Matt Harms. He is a 7-3 guy with ridiculously good hair. He loves his hair. And he had yeah. this weird thing last year where he didn't have like the right hair gel or something. And it kept like swatting the hair out of his face. Yeah. It, was, it was great. Yeah. So that's what you need to know about Purdue. I mean, we're not going to spend too much more time because I think, as we said to begin this podcast, is one game at a time. This is a survive and advance tournament. This is not a look forward to a potential Sweet 16 Elite 8 Final Four matchup tournament. This is one game at a time. Yeah. Purdue's a good team. Yeah. I mean, they've got, yeah, they beat Michigan State recently, so they, they know how to win big games. Yeah, yeah. No questions asked. And they're a team that's overdue for some March success. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they've had a couple flameouts recently. Yeah. So, look, just a couple other things you need to know. Our two seed is Tennessee. Um, who would be the likely opponent if we make Damn. it out? Admiral Schofield. Yeah, one yeah. of the best names in college basketball, yeah. if not the best. And our one seed is UVA. And yep. before you say, "Well, UVA is a choke artist in the tournament," watch your mouth. We used to be named <laughs> yeah. that, and then we won a national championship. So UVA has a really good shot, yeah. in my opinion. And we're not gonna, yeah, like Chris said, we're gonna take it one game at a time. We're not gonna preview Tennessee or anything like that because, assuming we make it that far. We'll be back next week with the next podcast where we will go in-depth on likely Tennessee or whoever it may be. Yeah. But regardless, it's a damn tough region we're in. Yes. We got a bracket of death. Yeah. Um, and But I think that the just based on what I just said about tempo and style of play and all that other stuff, I actually think it's manageable. And I don't hate the draw. And especially because we're kind of going to be playing in a home environment in Hartford. Yeah. It's like, you know, I contrast that with a few years ago, obviously, like the Wisconsin thing. You saw it from a distance. You saw the initial draw. You're like, oh, shit, this is bad. A combination of, one, perhaps lower expectations on our end, and two, just the fact that, yeah, I don't know. These teams don't scare me. I feel okay with this. Yes. Yeah. Like, I feel pretty good. Yeah. Let's let's roll the dice. Yeah, let's roll the dice. So, like, just based on that, what's your expectation here? Not expectation, not not what defines like what would be an amazing result. Yeah. Like, what is your expectation? My expectation is we make the Sweet Sixteen. Ooh, you expect it. I expect it. I I've come around, and I know a few weeks ago we were thinking that was you know that was the ceiling, and maybe it still is the ceiling. But I think based on who we're playing, I think like we just talked about, we're gonna get through St. Mary's. I don't think it's gonna be too crazy, and I think we're gonna be able to shut down Carson Edwards. Yeah. And that's going to get us into the Sweet 16. I feel I feel very good about it. Right. It's I'm I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah, if I'm Purdue, I'm a little bit pissed because I'd be super pissed. Yeah. Because because you get you're a 3 seed and they're a bona fide 3 seed. Yeah. Like real like crystal clear 3 seed. This is not a team that was over underseeded at all. Yeah. Um and then you get Villanova who people had as a potential 4 seed. And now you're, that, that's your sixth seed is kind of like a shitty second-round draw. Well, and not only that, seeding aside, you're playing against two guys who have national championship experience and a coach who's right now the best coach in college basketball. You've got to be fucking pissed about that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Which is good. We're going to have that edge coming yeah. in. Yeah. 
Fuck them up. And and it's a roll the dice tournament this year. So I'll answer my own question. Round of 32. I'm going by seed expectations here. Round of 32. If you beat Purdue, it would literally be our best win of the season. Yeah. So, you know, definitionally. So I am. Eh, I just think that like to expect to expect to get your best win of the season is like a pretty big jump. And so I'm gonna manage my expectations. I expect to get past St. Mary's. I expect to be playing versus Purdue. You roll the dice from there. If we make the Sweet 16, I think that's a tremendous accomplishment for, for this sure. Team. Uh, just a couple other things, ground a little bit of other further ground that we need to cover. We got a couple questions from people, uh, and it's interesting because it actually ended up playing out like this. Uh, someone asked us on Instagram, would you rather be a five seed playing a tough mid-major like Murray State or a six seed playing a mediocre major? And we kind of actually got the better of both worlds. I think Murray State, well, Murray State by Ken Palm is worse than St. Mary's. But I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, right? Yeah. Murray State has a killer. Yes. John Morant is a lottery pick. Yes. You don't want to play a lottery pick because you don't know how much that guy can go off. St. Mary's, yeah, is Jordan Fitz going to go off? I don't know. Maybe it goes off for 22. Who cares? Yes. Not worried about that. So right. I'll take what we got. I'll absolutely take what we got. Yeah, yeah. I, I rather play a mediocre major team, generally speaking. So that that's kind of my general take it, here. Kind of because it, it comes back to like basically what we faced all season, right? We faced a lot of like mediocre major conference teams. Yeah. So right. that's just another Big East game. Yep, 100%. Sign me up. Do we think, someone asked us, do we think that there's going to be any, make any differences to be made uh, with our eight-man rotation? I don't think you're going to see, like, if you're if that person is asking if we're going to see any, like, JQ. No. No. I'd be shocked. No, if JQ sees the floor in this tournament, I'd be shocked. And that means that we're either getting blown out and so Jay's getting in yeah. some time or we're blowing someone out. And so Jay's like, well, you know. We've been, we've been wrong before, but yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, I think that the rotation will be the five starters that's been the case for a while with Samuels at the five. Uh, I think if we get to Purdue, we're going to see a heavy dose of Roundtree to deal with harms. Yeah, got him. But I don't think there will be much playing with the starting lineup. I think after that, I think you'll see Swider and Roundtree. I think Swider's eclipsed Cremo already yeah. in the rotation. I still don't think that you might see many of them at all. I think I, I think, think you're, you're right. going to see the top five guys playing the lion's share of minutes. I think you're right. Yeah, and I think and I think Jay's approach is just going to be: I have Phil and Eric, and these are the every game could be the last game they play, and if they got to play forty minutes, so be it. Absolutely, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, and then the question, the, the last question I think we end here, and it ties back into the first half of the podcast, is who do you think our X factor is for the tournament? And we agreed it's Jermaine Samuels. Jermaine Samuels. Yes. And some people might be saying, like, why not Sadiq Bey as the X factor? I actually think Sadiq Bey is a known commodity at this point. Yeah, an X factor is basically a surprise a little bit, right? Yeah. It's the guy who can go either direction, the guy who could score 0 or 20. Right? Sadiq Bey is a bad game for him is like less than 10. Yeah. Right? Like, well, maybe not less than, less than 8, we'll say. Sadiq Bey has been real good, real pretty much a known thing for a while. He only becomes an X factor to the negative, is basically my point. Is if he plays poorly, it'd yeah. be, it would drag us down. Yeah. And X factors are the guys that the other coaches aren't necessarily planning for, 
right? Like, Matt Painter's not necessarily drawing up a game plan big. How are we stopping Jermaine Samuels? Right. Maybe he should be. Yeah. But he's probably not. It's not his focus, right? Right. In a similar fashion, Jermaine Samuels was the X factor against Marquette. He was the X factor against Xavier. Yep. Totally. And I think Jermaine Samuels is the X factor for this team. I like it. Um, and he also is one of those guys who can create matchup problems because of his size, athleticism, and strength. Run right by harms. And his ability to throw it down and his ability to shoot the shoot the three. Totally. Um, so that's our X factor. I love it. All right. A little bit of um, homework that we have to do just before we wrap up. Um, as I mentioned in the the middle of the podcast, we're doing this Alex's Lemonade Stand Bracket Challenge with Nova Insider. So check that out. Go to Nova Insider's page. And then just so you guys know kind of how this is all going to play out, if we do advance, as Rob teased, we will be doing another you know game expectation podcast, which will cover uh, Sweet 16 and Theoretical Elite 8 game. Ba-da-da-da. Yeah. Yeah. And if if we fail to advance, whether that's on Friday or on I mean whether that's on Thursday or on Saturday, um, we will do an end of season recap podcast. So either way, there will be a podcast. If it's an end of season, it may take us a little bit more time to get it out because we might be trying to do a little bit more of like a catch our breath, okay, sure. conceptualize what the season was and the whole nine yards. Also to look forward to end of season, no matter what, we do have a awards special called The 40s where we hand out theoretical bottles of malt liquor uh, to people on our team, fans, etc., whatever. So The 40s are down the road. We will have them. Um, and then this season, which is technically season two, will go through the NBA draft. And then season three begins after the NBA draft is completed and we know where our guys stood. So just want to give a little bit of that kind of homework there so you guys know what's to come and what to expect from us going forward. That's all we got today. Thank you very much for listening. Appreciate it. Let's do this. Let's march Nova. One more time, baby. One more time for Phil and Eric. Let's get this done. And as always, let's let's go go Nova. Nova.